Are you a caregiver? Or do you have a loved one who is aging and you or they might have questions that need to be answered? We have some answers that might help. This is Aging Life Network with Nancy Oriola. Today, you'll hear from experts and others related to the field of aging who will bring you answers, best practices, and tips for helping your loved one navigate this new part of life. Now, here is your host, Nancy Oriola. Hello, this is your host, Nancy. I'm coming to you live on Health and Wellness Channel of Voice America. Aging Life is a show focused on educating seniors and those who love them about the medical, legal, financial, and care-related topics important to know. I began this show hmm, three or four months ago focused on topics most relevant to those caring for or about an aging loved one. And while this remains a very important focus of the show, I want to expand the range of topics to include areas of interest to those of us experiencing aging today in real time. So beginning in January 2021, the show will be about what I am calling all things aging. As I've mentioned here before, we continue to have, as you, as many of you know, 10,000 people a day in the U.S. turning age 65. That's going to continue for another nine years. On December 11th, this Friday, for those of you listening live, I will be one of them. The topics I cover here will continue to be important to those caring for aging loved ones, as that group now includes more than one million millennials, at one end of the age continuum, and seniors themselves now caring for friends, siblings, and spouses. Many of those we call boomers are reflecting on the experience of aging through conscious aging networks and aging well programs. So much of the current research and literature is telling us that wellness can help prevent, delay, and sometimes improve both physical and cognitive impairments for seniors. I will be bringing in some of those topics in the new year as I believe these programs will offer my older listeners information for themselves as well as information for those they care for um, and care about. So keep listening as Aging Life Network transforms to Aging Life, All Things Aging. I want to thank my guest, Sue Fernandez, for her patience while I shared all of that. And let me welcome you, Sue, a former caregiver and current community educator with the Alzheimer's Association. Good morning, Sue. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Nancy. Thank you for the invitation. I'm so glad you're here. I asked Sue here today, we had an interesting introduction Sue is not only an advocate for seniors, but she's what I would call a connector. Um, and, um, and probably, I say former caregiver, I bet she is a current caregiver, um, more so these days to friends um, than in the past to, to her parents, which we'll talk about today, that experience. But we met because Sue, who's in California, was looking for Um, an attorney for a friend in the southern part of New Mexico, and she looked around and called around and got my name as someone who, although I live three hours north of there, I have worked in 
Las Cruces and been on boards in Las Cruces. And so people gave her my name and asked her to call me. And after I gave her those resources, because she is a big resource person, we started chatting. And when I began to hear her experience, I asked if she would come on the show so we could talk about not only her experience as a caregiver and an advocate for her own family members, but about the work she's doing today that she's passionate about. And um, we're going to have a conversation about resources in the second part of the show. So, Sue, thank you for joining us. And uh, again, welcome. Um, I know I've listened to some of the other shows you've been on and, and presented on, and I know Often um, those are topic-related areas, but I want to talk about you personally today and um, and hear a little bit about your 10-year experience and, and explore for our listeners some of the challenges of uh, your experience as a caregiver for your um, loved ones. Why don't you just jump in and, and just um, give us a little summary of uh, your experience, and then we'll talk about some of the challenges. Sure. I think, if anything, um, Nancy, I would like to share my first experience as a caregiver to my father. Uh, this was way before he needed hands-on care. Um, I had been working in an office as an executive secretary to a director, and we were in a, we were in a, a medical affiliation, and frequently the nurses' aides as well as physician assistants would come in due to our ongoing meetings. And one thing that stood in mind, Nancy, was the physician assistant mentioned to the director, she says, hey, she says, it came to my attention that the physicians really pay attention to their patients when their loved ones and their caregivers are in the office. So that's always been in my mind for quite a bit. So fast forward 10 years. That was maybe, oh gosh, no, I'd say fast forward five years. Dad had a stroke, and he came to visit me. Uh, as I'm, as you mentioned, I'm a long-distance caregiver, so I live four hours away from my parents. So that's kind of um, a big barrier for us. But one day, my parents came up to visit us, and we decided to take them to the coast. They had never been to... Um, Monterey or Carmel so in taking them I noticed my dad didn't look well so they decided to go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium my mom and I stood back because um, she didn't want to go so I was you know looking at dad and my boyfriend he looked very ill he had looked ill earlier but I didn't realize that until I saw him and he almost collapsed in line he was very frail so that got my attention big time so I says, Mom, next time you see his neurologist, I'd like to attend. I'd like to see what's going on. She says, okay. So we fast forward a couple of months. I go in there. I know I'm in the lobby, and most offices are. The lobby's up front. Then you have the receptions in between, and, they, and then in the back are physicians. And that was exactly the setup they had. So I was sitting there, and I was watching a particular physician. And I'm not fibbing, Nancy. He was literally bouncing off the walls. And I'm, th- I'm thinking, what's up with him? And I'm thinking, oh, God, please don't let that be my dad's position. Sure enough, 
the doors open and they call out my name, Ignacio Garcia. Who greets us at the door? That physician. So I'm going in. And mind you, this is my very first experience, period. Taking going to the doctor with your father. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not Mm -hmm. as outspoken as I am now. So I was very respectful. Of course, you have to be that way. But we went into the doctor's office and um, he sat there and he started to look at my dad, diagnose him. And I interrupted him and I said, doctor, I have a couple of questions to ask you. And he got really curt and rude with me. He says, hold off on your questions until after I'm done. Very nasty and rude. And I thought, oh, boy. Needless to say, I kind of shriveled up in my chair. Mm-hmm. He evaluated my dad, and he turned to me, and he says, okay, he says, what are the questions that you have? And I says, well, I says, you know what, doctor, I understand my dad's been having some issues, and he's on medication, and I explained to him what we experienced. My and dad and didn't, they, didn't they diagnose he had had a TIA or well, yeah. uh, tri- just so a mini stroke, they called him? Yes. Right, and he had had yeah. um, that, a TIA, maybe about four months earlier. So that's why he was seeing a neurologist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm so, sorry. No, that's fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. So I'm going down the line and asking the doctor, because I did bring my paper and pencil and all the medications that they tell you to do. So I'm asking, okay, what's this medication for? Explain it. But when I came to the Aricept, I said, why is he on this? Um, I don't understand. It. An Aricept is a dementia-related, yeah, I medication. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. So I said, um, you know, maybe it's giving him some side effects. I don't know. And I said, um, why, why was he prescribed this? And he says, well, he says, oh, he says a family member had explained that he was having memory issues and blah, 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 blah. And so I'm thinking because I have four other siblings and I know three of them weren't that involved. And I know the one that I, if anything, I knew would be involved, which was my younger brother. He works all day and he's not that active. So we talk a little bit more about Aricept, and then um, I says, well, what test, you know, have, did you provide any test for him to be on Aricept? And he looked at me and he says, no. And then I said again, who told you that he was having memory issues? And mom had not told me this, though. That's why I was. And mom is in the room. <laughs> uh, yeah, she is. Not, not she saying anything. On their defense. You know as well as I do, our elderly are brought up in a different way, and whatever the doctor says goes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. that's just what I've experienced with a lot of the elderly. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, I finally asked him again, who? Who told you this? And he turned around and he says, your mother. Mind you, he didn't tell me that he gave my dad any tests or anything. He just wrote a prescription to my dad on Ericsson. Uh-huh. So he says, I said, um, I turn around to him and I ask him, I said, who's the doctor, my mother or you? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. And he got upset. They love that when we say that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what was that? They, they love that when you. <laughs> right, well, he has my dad's file. He mm-hmm. tossed it onto my lap. And he says, here, you seem to know it all. Oh, my. I know, mm-hmm. I just said, oh, my gosh. So I mm. got up and I had the medication. I said, Dad, Mom, it's time to leave. And I left. Mm. And that was my first experience. And I think that kind of was an eye-opener for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important for a loved one to attend their meetings. It really is. Oh, absolutely. And so um, Mom and Dad 
had, they were aging and dad was beginning to have medical issues. It sounds like two of the five of you were more interested and involved and, um, but you live four hours away and your brother worked full time. And so it wasn't until it hit a bit of a crisis point that you began to engage, which is so often, you know, what happens with families. We think everybody's okay, particularly when we ask, how are you? And they say they're okay. And couples are the worst. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they believe that as long as there's two of them, you know, they can figure anything out. Although very often there's a lot of challenges going on yeah. in the home. Yeah. So at that point you began to engage with um, the care that was happening and what was happening in the home. And you became what we call a long distance caregiver at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. So were you visiting regularly? Were you, um, did you start coordinating services, changing doctors? What, What was that experience like in the next few years? Basically it was long distance and I did remove him from that particular neurologist as well as and he fell in the bathroom and I'm assuming he had another TIA. And that's when the whole ball started with regards to me coming in from out of town, going into the hospital and talking to the doctors. Mm-hmm. And as you well know, being a caregiver, especially in the beginning, as you mentioned earlier, when you're a caregiver, I'd say 95% of the time is it's during an emergency, so you're yes. not for anything. Right. You suddenly, right, step in in a much bigger way. Right. Oh, right. So I, I was, I ended up being with my dad in the hospital. And um, call me what you may, Nancy, but um, I was there literally eight to ten hours a day in the hospital with my dad. It was all new to me. I just wanted my dad to know that I was there. Someone that he was familiar with mm-hmm. was there. And I learned a lot. Um, I learned one of the big things, and I'd like to share this with your uh, uh, listeners, is that when they prescribe rehabilitation, you don't have to go into a facility. They can Mm -hmm. come home. And I wasn't aware of that. Sure. And my story is sad in that um, my dad picked up sepsis. And there was no need for that. If I would have, or the doctor could have even brought it to me because the type of rehab he needed was basically, you know, getting up, walking around, blah, blah, blah. I could have done all that at home. But the doctor referred him to a rehabilitation facility and got worse. It wasn't a great facility, I found out. They had an ongoing sepsis infection there. Mm -hmm. um, And he, he acquired the infection there. Mercer, we call it Mercer. Mm-hmm. Right, and yeah. so he died. So when I learned that shortly thereafter... Oh, he died. Oh. Yeah, he died in the hospital. Mm-hmm. He was there for eight or in the years. rehab hospital? Mm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, let's go six months in advance. Six months later, they call me a mom's hospitalized. So... When that happened, I drove down there immediately, and she was in the hospital, and uh, she ended up, they found out that she had blood clots, and they had mentioned they didn't think she was going to make it. Mm-hmm. So, fortunately for me, I learned that 
we can bring mom home, you know, unless it, unless they had to give her, you know, heavy medications that I, I'm not authorized to give. So it right. was basically rehab, you know, occupational right. therapy. So mm-hmm. we told my mom, because my mom was very obstinate, my brother and I told her, we got together as well as the other siblings, and we, told, we decided she's going to come home, I'm going to stay there and provide, not provide, help her with physical therapy, and she's going to have to do the physical therapy. If not, then she will go into rehab. She <laughs> followed us, she did everything well, and she lived, I'd say, another 10, 12 years after that. But we okay. had to be very adamant with her that she had to do physical therapy at home. Okay. So some of the things that you learned from that earlier experience with your father, um, clearly that you can rehab at home. And, you know, it depends on the individual and the ability of someone to be in the home, whether it's a family member or paid caregivers. But, um, yeah, because... Um, the thing about rehab, and, and, you know, we will have a more extensive show about rehab in the future, but there's a couple different kinds of rehab. And if you are old and frail, very often um, you will be sent to an, a skilled nursing facility with about 45 minutes a day of rehab. And otherwise, you're in bed or maybe in a wheelchair. And so... Um, it's true, as you say, if, if someone's at home, the family can be taught some of the exercises by the therapist or can actually, you know, get mom or dad up more frequently, um, help them walk to the bathroom rather than, you know, being in a brief or using a bedpan. Um, and so it depends on the situation, but yes, I, I agree with you. I often suggest the families look at rehabbing at home because of the problems. And that caregiver, that caregiver has to be willing and understand that, um, like you said, there are different types of rehabilitation. Luckily for my dad, all his was, you know, helping, like you said, walking and the, there was right. also occupational mm-hmm. therapists who could have done it all at home. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure that's a source of grief for you. Um, I think the other thing, um, well, um, and so you continue to be a long-distance caregiver for a while more, um, and it sounds like it got more uh, extensive for you um, when your father was gone. Of course, your mother was home alone. Correct. Um, So um, we're going to have to take our first break, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, what that experience of long-distance caregiving was like, um, you know, obtaining home care, um, trying to maintain, you know, oversight from a four-hour distance and uh, the toll it took on you visiting on weekends and, and such. So we'll talk about that a little bit more and then um, the move to your home and then we'll uh, get into resources as we, as we move on. So we'll be right back, folks. Thanks. Mm-hmm. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals, available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Nancy, and I'm here with Sue Fernandez, who um, is a former caregiver and community educator and advocate for um, seniors. Um, We were talking about her experience with her father, um, her early health care experience, and her need to become, her, her realization very quickly that she needed to be an advocate for her father to get him the best health care. Although she will tell you that, she also, um, and I think it's a big part of, Sue, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but a big part of what she likes to communicate to people is that um, there are many things that she knows now that she didn't know then And um, so she, like me, is a person in this world trying and hoping to educate others so that you know when you're in the middle of it what it is that you need to know. Um, So welcome back, Sue. Thanks for joining us today to talk about your own personal experience. I really appreciate that. Um, We stopped. We were talking about your mom who... Um, you made the choice along with your family to have her rehab at home. I assume that went well. You said she lived another decade or so. And so you, she, was, she remained in her home, however, for a while, yes, before coming yeah, to live with yeah. you? So for how did things, for about three years, how did things change when she, um, you know, when your father was gone, um, her needs increased? Um, you um, you talked to me about bringing in care. Um, can you share a little bit about what how your challenge changed not having someone locally to to fill you in and keep you updated? Sure, sure. For a while there, 
she was pretty capable and still independent. And unfortunately, I thought my other siblings would participate to visit her more and then maybe call me and say, hey, mom needs this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned to you, fortunately, my parents had the finances, but I wasn't at that time, I wasn't uh, in control or had oversight of mom's finances. Mom was right. still able right. to do everything. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we found out, I, unfortunately, my other siblings didn't participate. They didn't visit as often as I thought they would. And right. um, she was getting more and more sick. And so it, it went on for maybe about a year, year and a half. And then I was working in, at, in that time. And then they laid me off. It was a, like a temporary full-time position for about mm-hmm. a year. <laughs> and I decided to go back and live with her. And I was there for about a year, and I decided, you know, we, 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 you need to come with me, Mom. I can't be going back and forth. And she decided to do that. Good. Okay. So I'm sorry. I, I let me, let me. Oh, back that's okay. Back. That's okay. So I saw, I thought, um, help from a home health agency. Mm-hmm. Okay, I interviewed a few people. I didn't think they were professional enough. Um, there were a lot of weird things going on. One lady I interviewed the owner of the home health agency came with her and I felt that she was intimidated by the owner and um, we went to a couple ladies' houses to, to interview them and I wasn't happy there either. And I just wanted to come in, you know, a few hours during the week to kind of to check up on mom and be a companion and mm-hmm. maybe communicate with me, hey, you know, your mom needs this. Take her to doctor's appointments. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't find anybody. However, the day that I left, the neighbor was a younger lady, and she had like about a five-year-old or four-year-old, and her name was Sylvia, and I was, she came out as I was leaving. She says, oh, Sue, are you going? I says, yeah. We talked a little bit about mom and dad, and then I, I looked at her and said, she wasn't working, and I said, Sylvia, would you be interested in being a caregiver to my mom? And I explained to her it was just a couple times during the week. She had a little one that was going back to school. She wasn't doing anything. And she was, a, you know, she was a, a blessing to us, a God blessing, because she was right next door. Mm-hmm. Um, she helped my mom. She went in a couple times during the day and tried to keep mom company, took her mm-hmm. to her appointments. Mm-hmm. And um, it worked out really well, really mm-hmm. well in that often mom would accidentally put the phone off. She'd be laying in bed. She was sedentary. She'd be in bed, and she would accidentally, you know, had the old phone where the phone would the fall off. Mm-hmm. So I would call her and say, listen, I can't get a hold of mom. Can you go check? And mm-hmm. she would. And sure enough, the phone had fallen off the hook. Mm-hmm. So it, it worked out pretty good. But like I said, um, I realized she, you know, no one else was going to help. So we had a family meeting, and, uh, you know, we decided she was going to come up here and, and stay with me mm-hmm. so she did. Mm-hmm. and it was a big undertaking and let me let me mm-hmm. explain is that in the me in the middle in the meantime I ended up acquiring and I didn't know what it was at that time I ended up uh, getting psoriasis it was throughout mm-hmm. my body and it was the most painful and that uh, I found out was due to the stress yes so you have to get respite I I was like on for a good three and a half years communicating, going back and forth, working. 
Oh, prior to her coming to your home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's like a bouncing ball. I think if you put my car in, in automatic drive, it'll automatically drive to my parents' house. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So as, you know, as a, a professional, I listen to your story and I can, I can pinpoint the many, many places where um, having um, um, a care manager would have helped your family. Um, Definitely. And, um, but I also understand, I mean, there was a moment at which your mother needed help, but she was controlling her own finances. I think a lot of family members find themselves in that situation. And unless your mother is on board, to bring in that help, your your hands are a little bit tied unless you yourself can afford to pay. And and you know we there are statistics that show that family caregivers, um, adult children in particular, are are right now paying monthly for housing, care management, home care, etc. Um, so at any rate, but I listened to your story and um, you know, it was some time ago. So there may be resources today that we didn't have at that point. Um, But we, yeah. I'd like to interject Mm -hmm. one minute, please. I never even heard of the term geriatric care manager until five years ago. And my Uh parents had the funds to hire geriatric care manager. If I would have known what I know now, Oh my gosh, it would have been unbelievably easy. Like I said, fortunately for us, we could afford that. And what geriatric care managers, they have a wealth of knowledge. They know of ABC Health Agency is poor. You know, they have turnaround on staff. They know that a D, you know, C, D, and E are great. They have those, that knowledge the information on the ground. That and, I mean, things. Facilities, too. And, you know, uh, life alerts, uh, the importance of, you know, having something where you're alerted if if mom doesn't answer a call or falls or, um, you know, um, um, guard, you know, rails in the the bathroom that might have helped your father from a fall. I mean, lots of different, you know, yeah, care managers look at the whole environment, the home, the healthcare, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. So I think a couple of weeks ago, I had the president of um, the Aging Life Care Association board um, on, and we talked for an hour about uh, the benefits of care management. But um, yes, you've brought it up to me in, in private conversations that that um, having had someone to look in on your mother, to attend those medical appointments, to uh, bring in appropriate home care, yeah, and monitor it for you. How much, and how yeah. much stress would that alleviated on me? Oh, sure. Well, and then you and I have talked about respite as well and the importance of, you mentioned the psoriasis. Um, I mean, not only do caregivers get sick, but very often caregivers um, die from the stress of caregiving. 
Yeah. It's 30%, Nancy, 30% of caregivers pass. Yeah, it's very high. And and if the dementia is involved, I know you, you present for the Alzheimer's Association, so you know that if there's a dementia that you're managing as well, um, the stress just goes up exponentially. But the long-distance caregiving is not to be uh, minimized, whether you're flying across the country every couple of months or driving every weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. When, on, when I finally decided after about caregiving for three straight years, I decided when I move my mom up here, I'm going to go on a week-long respite. Sure enough, I did. And, you know, I was on the coast for five days, and I walked to a library, and I found a book. It was about caregiving. I, I misplaced it. But his story that he shared is in that his was in another state with his both of his parents. And like mm-hmm. you said, they tend to cover up, and they think they can manage it together. Well, when he, when he went to visit mm-hmm. his parents, I want to say he lived in Southern California. His parents lived in Chicago. And they had one emergency, and he flew over there, and he found out that both of them had dementia. Yeah. So yeah. That was a big eye-opener for him. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, the way um, we get involved, right, can be uh, very um, crisis-driven, sadly. Yeah. And so um, what other um, resources have you become more knowledgeable of since your your time as a caregiver what is it i know you like to share some you want to share some things with the listeners right for caregivers yeah you know um i worked in addition to being a community educator for the alzheimer's association i also worked for the american cancer society i was a counselor to a program called ship state health insurance program. Mm-hmm. They go by other names in different states. I think another name for them is called Shine. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I was a counselor there to Medicare beneficiaries. And it really wasn't until the last, recently, the last seven, eight years that I've been attending various webinars and conferences for the elderly. And I learned also... Um, there are a lot of organizations who claim, quote, I quote, claim to be an advocate or they want to help you with their finances. And like I said, I, I've attended a few of those and I found out with the VA that there are attorneys that claim to be um, knowledgeable in helping them obtain their benefits. But guess mm-hmm. what? If they're not certified with the VA, they can't help you. Right. right. Yes. The mm-hmm. the lawyers have to be certified. Yes. Right. Right. But I didn't know this mm-hmm. either. I had, I had attended two or three conferences and it wasn't until I read a book called um, 47 uh, Secret Benefits to the VA. And it's a very easy book to learn and they educate you um, mm-hmm. regarding their benefits and what to expect. It's an older book. Mm-hmm. But it was just so beneficial, it was, and it mm-hmm. was easy to read. Hmm. And and most of these organizations, um, as well as Medicare, are open twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My sister, my older sister, ended up getting colon cancer about three four years ago. Three years ago, 
And, you know, I, uh, fortunately, I worked for the American Cancer Society, and I already knew, but I was on the phone with them for a good 45 minutes to help educate me about her particular cancer, mm-hmm. you know, the services they offer, as well as her diagnosis and where she goes from there. And it was mm-hmm. very informative, very helpful. It relieved my ease. You know, you're thinking, well, what if this? What if that? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, she had it so severe and her the system was compromised that mm-hmm. the big surgery she had worsened her. It didn't, yeah, but yeah. It didn't help. No. But that's, yeah, the the VA is a complicated system for many people. Right. Uh, it, it can be intimidating. And there are attorneys, um, if they're certified, who can help you maneuver through it. There's also some home care um, groups right. who um, work under the aid and attendance um, banner. Um, you have to be careful. Some of them will tell you that they will apply for you and they'll give you free home care until your application comes through. However, if you're denied, if if you're denied, you are responsible for all the home care you've used. You have to pay it. So that can be a little scary. Um, So it's important. It's important to educate yourself about eligibility. But again, it's, it's tricky. Um, Yes. And but if some, to, I'm sorry, yes. I just wanted to mention you do have to pound them sometimes. You really have to be a big advocate. And if you have mm-hmm. to call them once a week, they'll get well, mm-hmm. And, you know, for the older veterans, there are social workers internally. And Correct. so seeking out a social worker in the, um, in the elder programs um, can be helpful. They work for the VA. There's also benefit people at the local level. Um, but again, um, yeah, I mean, very often I think caregivers don't think about the fact that the VA will offer some benefits. You may have to sign your loved one up to be in the VA system to get those right. benefits, but that in and of itself um, provides a lot of benefits, free medications and 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 things like that. But um, yeah, so then there's many other resources that we're going to talk about. We're going to take our last 90-second break. I do want to give a shout out to our new sponsor, TrueLink Financial, who will be um, having a bigger presence in the next few months on this show. I thank them for sponsoring the show, and we'll be right back. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. 
their network of life care professionals available to you through HIPAA compliant video conferencing and calls will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, this is Nancy. I'm here with Sue Fernandez, advocate for um, seniors, former caregiver, and uh, a woman who loves to share resources with other caregivers. Before we get back to discussing resources, because I know I will forget, I want to remind you that if you go to the aginglifenetwork.com website, um, there are two downloads that can be helpful. One is the top 10 things you need to know to care for an aging loved one. The other is um, a 17-page document called Values History, which will provide your loved ones with a lot of information about what you would want if somebody's making decisions for you. So please go check out those two free downloads and take advantage of that. Um, Sue, um, so let's talk about some more resources. Um, I could talk a lot about it, but you're the guest today. And so I want to hear from you. Sure. I think, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, we talked about respite. So I have a couple of resources for caregivers. Again, it's the Alzheimer's Association. Mm-hmm. Their number is one 800 272 3900, and they offer a respite program. Uh, unfortunately, not all offices do, but call them and find out if they offer respite. They won't send you the money. Uh, what they'll do is, uh, it's my understanding that they'll that you as a caregiver will contact a home health agency, and the Alzheimer's Association will pay this home health agency. Correct. And in New Mexico, the voucher is $300. Oh. Different states may have different amounts. And uh, you're right, not all states have it, so you have to call your local chapter. Right. Mm -hmm. The other resource was Hilarity for Charity. They've partnered with uh, uh, Home Instead Senior Care. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a grant available, and they are in all states. Uh, You have to go to the website. Their phone number is area code 909 Four seven six nine zero three zero. They're uh, available in the U.S. and Canada, and you apply. They only accept online applications. Another one is if your loved one is in hospice and they're on Medicare insurance. Yes, they do provide hospice care five days. Call Medicare at one eight hundred Medicare. Yes. 
we we did a show last week with uh, uh, owner of a hospice on the benefits of hospice. I encourage people to listen in. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Can I give you a couple of tips too? Oh, yep. Yeah. We always welcome tips. Due to the pandemic, Medicare has is expanding their rehabilitation benefit. I don't know if you knew about that, man. No, I did for three months. They just have to call and confirm if there's any out of pocket. But again, they are expanding their rehabilitation benefits. There's a tool called LifeVac. It's a tool for children or the elderly that tend to choke. So you can Google that. It's called LifeVac. VAC being V-A-C? Yeah, L-I-F-E-V-A-C. Okay, okay. And then my last tip for the caregivers, this may not be happening soon, but I'm sure they can probably access on a Zoom meeting. Whenever there's a conference or a seminar in your area and you can't afford attending, call the organization. Ask them if they offer grants to attend. Mm-hmm. You must mm-hmm. ask them as soon as possible because the free grant money goes quickly. Okay. I've been able, I've been able to um, attend a few of the conferences myself doing that. In that way. And I think it's important for people to know that uh, much like you mentioned the um, um, the Cancer Society or Cancer Association, there are in your state, um, you know, given the diagnoses, um, whether, you know, whether it's Alzheimer's or MS or a heart condition, there are um, national associations with state chapters and affiliations and there is a lot of information that those folks will give um um yeah and so it's um you can get online and look and reach out for that Mm -hmm. um there's also your local um um your city and state agencies on aging um um, you know, in my state, there is um, uh, aging and long-term services is actually a cabinet level mm-hmm. um, agency, and they have a resource center that is you know who, um, free. You know who's another one, Nancy? Uh, it's called Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. And they do offer grants to homeowners in that um, they can build paint your house. Oh, okay. Yeah, every Habitat for Humanity has different resources and funding, but they'll also um, build a ramp for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. They'll do minor repairs. That's Habitat for Humanity. They have different grants, too. Some cities have departments of senior affairs who do have maintenance people that will do. Oh, okay. Maintenance, window replacement, uh, ramps, um, often there's a long waiting list. They also, um, if a person is eligible, uh, you know, everyone, we all hear about Meals on Wheels and things like that, but they also have um, social work teams who work with folks and go out to the home and, and identify, you know, needs based on the services they can provide. So, you know, those social right. workers often, I mean, unlike private geriatric care managers, those social workers often have 200, 
you know, people that they're seeing, but, um, but still, it is a resource, and it's typically a free resource. Um, Catholic Charities, I know at one point, had a very robust um, elder program. Yeah, so there is help out there. Hmm? Right, I'm also uh, a member of uh, the Aging Network. That's a a club Mm -hmm. here locally, and we Mm -hmm. get together all kinds of affiliations and organizations, non- and for-profit, and they offer a lot of information. Again, that's here in Fresno only, but I'm sure there are other aging groups that if you connect with them, they could always give you good referrals Mm -hmm. and resources. Mm -hmm. Right. Attorneys who look at Medicaid issues, they're called elder law attorneys. Um, There are CPAs that are specializing in elder um, financial matters. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you you just have to ask um, and get online and start looking around. Yeah, on on my website, we have a resource page, and it's a lot of the state resources um, that we're discussing here. The other thing I like to talk about in the resource arena are the new technologies that are coming into the marketplace. Um, you know, the nanny cams, the mm-hmm. um, the iPads that are facilitated. The calendars, the medication boxes. I mean, it used to be the number one reason people get placed in facilities is because they couldn't manage their medication. Well, now we have electronic boxes that will, I don't know if we still have, we have computerized voices of persons who will remind you that it's time to take medications. Yeah. So you could have that, you know that dashing English male voice that <laughs> reminds you. Pardon? Let me ask you, every year, is there not an elder organization that has a conference that will provide you with a different, like you said, technology? Is there not a... You know, the, um, there is. There's a new group, um, I think they originated out of California, called Aging 2.0. And they are um, bringing startups in the aging arena with new technologies together with um, venture capital people who help fund them um, to develop their products and services. Um, You know, TrueLink Financial is one of those. They um, started with a basic prepaid debit card that that provides families with a... um, uh, a computerized dashboard where you can fund the card, you can watch the expenses in real time, um, you can turn off the ability for caregivers to to um, take cash when they go to the grocery store, you can turn it off, then you can turn it back on. Um, anyway, they, they, they grew out of Aging 2.0. Um, there's a, another program I know of called... Um, I think it's called Just Fine, and it's a service that calls mom every morning. It will call you every morning and make sure you're okay. And if you don't answer the phone and respond and say you're okay, they will call people on your call list to alert them that there may be a problem. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot of new – so Aging 2.0, and I'm hoping at some point to have them 
them on the show. But um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know of others, um, but there's certainly with Alexa, you know, and the new iPads coming out, um, there's a lot more technology available. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as a caregiver, um, the... The challenge was finding the time to find those resources, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I wasn't educated. I, I don't know if I mentioned it. When I was a caregiver for my mom, I totally had my head in the sand. I knew nothing, zero. And, and I've only been involved with the Alzheimer's Association the last six years, five years mm-hmm. with the American Cancer Society. But that was way, you know, before my caregiving. I mean, after, after my caregiving. Right. And as a caregiver, who were you interfacing with? The health system? Yeah. Um, the doctor. The doctor, yeah. mostly. Yeah. And that's not really their job to identify. Well, and, and I found out resources. recently yeah. that uh, I think it was a year or two ago, finally, they decided to pay the physicians a little bit more money to diagnose yes. patients. But up well, until then, mm-hmm. they were only receiving a small stipend of $25. If you know anything about dementia, they do extensive tests, and $25, it's not a lot. Right. Well, even your basic um, screening tests um, take can take 20, 30 minutes, and you're right, and physicians aren't scheduled in that way um they are now also being paid to have um goal of care as we call it goal of care or end of life uh and planning decision uh planning conversations with families and so we're hoping to see more of that although some of my physician friends say that families get mad at them when they (laughs) sometimes try to have those conversations because you know families are not ready perhaps but um but yes physicians are um but they are the you know they are that's who the the community goes to right and that's also who a lot of people listen to most um Mm -hmm. you know they have the most influence over a family and so there's a lot of responsibility um, but I do appreciate you giving the shout out to the geriatric care management community. I think that is a helpful way to talk with somebody who can give you a whole, you know, a, who make it their business to keep picture. up on a resources. Full a full picture. Yes. A full picture. Yeah. In addition, um, like I mentioned to you earlier offline, that siblings can get together and they could. You know, I can, you know, donate a couple of hundred and the other sibling can donate a couple of hundred. Who wouldn't right. want to hire a geriatric care manager? For I know. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, so within our last few seconds here, um, what, what's the most important thing you want families to or caregivers to know about your experience? I think get your ducks in a row. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, Power of Attorney for Health, Power mm-hmm. of Attorney for Finances. That's where you and I met up. Yeah. Individual. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I like to talk about the resources, and I explained to her. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. originally lived in Seattle, Washington. She told oh. me she took care of it. She did not. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So get your ducks in a row before you need to. Do the planning. Okay. Well, that 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 does it for us today. Thank you very much, Sue, for joining me. And uh, uh, we'll we'll see you in a week, folks. Thanks. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you for tuning in this week to Aging Life Network. Please join host Nancy Oriola for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We can't wait to talk again.